0: Welcome to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, is the star. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host, Dennis Simpson, as we discuss the history, facts, people, places, events, lots more surrounding Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas' favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. Joining us from LifeNet, Tina Bell, Director of Recruitment and PR, and Matt Scroggins, Operations Manager. We talk about LifeNet inside Hot Springs
1: Village. Enjoy. Enjoy.
0: No, there isn't. We just hit the
1: ground running. So go. We, uh, more ground running yeah. and another episode of Inside Out. We're glad to have you today. We have Miss Tina and Mr. Matt from LifeNet. And if you don't know who these people are and you don't know why we're having them on, that's good news. If you've met them, you'll be happy to tell us what happened. I promise. Uh, LifeNet is the uh, ambulatory service for Hot Springs Village, and we have a pretty special arrangement, I think. Uh, so, Matt or, or, or Tina, either one, give us an idea. What is LifeNet? Who owns it? Who runs it? All that. And how do we pay for it?
2: You say who we are, and I'll talk about how we pay for it. So, LifeNet's a nonprofit ambulance service. We operate out of three divisions in Arkansas in the Hot Springs Village Division, Hot Springs and Malvern. We also operate in Texarkana, which is where our home base is at. We have multiple uh, different uh, entities with or regions within Texas that LifeNet also has operations in. And we also have Stillwater, Oklahoma. So we're kind of spread out, but we are a fairly large ambulance service, uh, especially in Arkansas. Um, we operate three trucks out of hot springs village they're contracted with a paramedic and an emt on each truck sometimes two paramedics uh, which is always an added bonus and we staff them 24 hours a day 365 days a year Uh, i've started as the operations manager three weeks ago officially so i'm there during the week my phone pretty much 365, 24-7. So I am all over <clears> the place <throat> right now, just meeting and greeting and and uh, letting everybody know who we are.
3: And then so, as far as our unique um, arrangement with Hot Springs Village uh, to provide ambulance service at the ALS level, which is advanced life support, that's what we're talking about. There's a paramedic on every truck to provide that level of service with three units in the village. There's just not enough call volume to support those three units. So the... POA entered into what we call a resident benefit program in essence with us. And to support that, every member of the POA pays on their water bill a small fee. It's an ambulance service fee. And that goes to pay a subsidy that covers about 40 to 50% of our operating costs in the village. The other half of our operating costs is paid by when we build the insurance or if you have to utilize this, those types of things. One of the missed Um, conceptions in the village is that if you have to be transported by the ambulance it's free you'll never get a bill and that's not true because of what we just talked about right so half of half of our money comes from from in essence um the the resident benefit plan the other half comes from the being paid for the services that we provide so what we do basically if you live in the village and you get transported we're going to bill your insurance medicare medicaid your your insurance if for some reason that claim is denied. So sometimes insurance may be denied, it's not medically necessary, we're gonna help you appeal it. But if it continues to be denied, you're still responsible for that claim. But what we do is reduce your responsibility by 40%. The same is true if you don't have any insurance, we're gonna reduce your responsibility by 40%. Now, here's the really good news. If your insurance pays anything at all, even a penny, you're not going to see a bill from us. Now, let me give you one little caveat to that. That one little caveat is every now and then a bill may slip through. And so we always tell people, if it slips through, all you have to do is call our billing department and we're going to get it fixed. There is always that one little element of, you know, human error that could hit, hit from every now and then, but our our biggest priority is to take care, take care of people. So.
1: Randy, I'm leaving it for you. Cause there's the, a million uh, questions. I, well, I yeah.
0: you know, and my first one would be, and I don't guess there's a typical, but I'll phrase it that way. If there is a typical destination, I mean, where, where are we typically taking these people to and how, how far away are we taking them? Are we taking them just to facilities inside the village? Or are we taking them elsewhere?
3: We have to take you to the closest, most appropriate medical facility. Primarily, that is going to be CHI St. Vincent or National Park Hospital in Hot Springs. There are some rare occasions.
2: There are some residents that have uh, local physicians that live on the east side of the village that are in Saline County. Uh, We also offer services to uh, Saline Memorial and Benton. And there's a new heart hospital It's Encore in Bryant that we will also transport you to as well. So, there's four different hospitals that we can directly transport you to,
3: but we can't transport you within the village, we have to take you to a a hospital.
1: What are some of the unique challenges of being in the village? I I think I had heard something about uh, getting an appointment every Friday or getting a call every Friday afternoon about the same time to a a Canada to a client. Is that correct? Say that again. Well I'm sorry in one of the meetings you were you were sharing that you had a uh, Oh there's there a,
2: could yeah. be, we, you know there's a lot of times uh, I think uh, my boss had mentioned in the rotary meeting was that there used to be a couple years and years ago that would go out to eat on a Friday night and they would need assistance getting to the car and then they'd need assistance again getting out of the car and that was a use of public resource they were calling Amos to come help them with a public assist Uh, what Ronnie was describing that night was that about 45 to 50% of our call volume is of a public assist nature or lift assist. Uh, Our transport rate, especially with COVID has gone up, but our transport rate has either stayed the same or gone down because most people are a either fearful of going to the hospital or B they're just wanting to be checked out or, uh, and refuse to go with us, Mm -hmm. which It's not, I mean, we encourage them always to go to the hospital, but some people are just very fearful and don't want to go.
3: A little stress, kind of piggybacking off of what he's saying, um, we're working on trying to get some more education out to the community on how to prevent falls. Because in Hot Springs Village, just by the nature of the demographics, that tends to be, we see a lot more lift assist calls there. And so we recognize we need to do some education to try to help the community. So that's something we're working on for later this year that we're hoping to roll out. But on top of that, one of the things we're working on and, and we do presentations for in the community is the appropriate utilization of the 911 service for emergencies. So there are only three ambulances in Hot Springs Village. Now, we can call ambulances from our other service areas for mutual aid. But the reality is, if we're responding to a lift assist, and maybe your neighbor could have helped you, a friend across the street, somebody you know that you know could come and help lift you, when we're responding to that call instead, and your best friend who lives, you know, four miles over is in sudden cardiac arrest, that paramedic can't respond to that call fast enough. I'm not saying that happens all the time, but that's part of the thing that we try to do to provide that public education is, you know, if it's a traumatic injury, if you can't walk to the ambulance, if um, you're, it's a heart issue, if you need oxygen, any of those types of things where we can respond and provide that advanced life support level care, call us. But if there are other people, and I think I think what's happened over time, actually I know what's happened over time, not just in Hot Springs Village, but everywhere where EMS is located is people have turned to utilizing EMS service as, as a, a ride, or like Matt was saying, as a public assistance. And unfortunately, um, it ties up the, the system For the resources it was really utilized for and so that's one of the things we really try to provide that public education on
1: well and we were talking uh, a couple of other things in the meeting that we had talked about or in the rotary meeting that that your your boss had described um if i'm not mistaken okay i'm serious seriously hurt and i have to be lifted to little rock what do we do how do you determine that well i mean how would you how do you know how do you triage these things
2: are you talking about being
1: airlifted? Yeah. Well, I mean, how do you determine if somebody needs to be airlifted or if you're just going to drive? And I I guess in my mind, what I'm thinking is, is that if, if somebody's in the West end of the village, another couple of ambulances are tied up, somebody in the East end calls and says, Hey, I've got a heart issue. Take me to the encore in Saline County, man, you're tied up for three or four hours. I'm guessing. I mean, I'm trying to imagine how the dynamics work and how you juggle all that. And then in the middle of that, Somebody has, and I had a friend of mine who actually had an issue where he had to be uh, medevaced out and man, it, it, it just gets complicated quick. It looks like.
3: Yeah. So the first part of it, I'll let Matt talk some of the on-scene side of stuff, but the very first part of it is when that call comes in, we use what's called emergency medical dispatch. And so our dispatchers prioritize based off of the priority of the call. They look at where all of our ambulances are in the system. And so that's not just Hot Springs Village. That's everywhere. And that's one of the pluses to having LifeNet in Hot Spring County, Garland County, including Hot Springs Village, is if for some reason those three ambulances are tied up, our dispatchers can look and say, okay, what is the closest unit to this call and send that closest unit and they go through a series of steps. So if you were to call and I'd say, hey, thank you for calling life what's the nature of your emergency. I'm gonna walk you through a series of steps to determine what exactly is going on. And then we're gonna prioritize that call. So you might be a priority one, which means that's emergent, or you might have a lower priority. And so we, that's, that's what we try to do on the dispatch side of stuff. Some of the symptoms that we might get, depending on where you're at, we may pre-launch LifeNet air, we can always cancel them if our paramedics get on scene and we don't need them. Um, but it, it really kind of depends. And that's, a lot of that is done at the dispatch level. Sometimes the dispatchers will call somebody like Matt, the operations manager, and say, hey, Matt, this is what's going on. This is what I have. And sometimes Matt may make that call or Matt may be the first one to respond on scene. I'm going to kind of hand it over to you to talk about maybe what happens on scene as far as triaging the patient.
2: So <clears throat> it's just like CPR. They say early activation is a key. Well, when you're talking about airlifting a patient to Hot Springs or to Little Rock, um, these are of time sensitive things. So if you're having a stroke, you know, there's guidelines of so many hours before you can get the clock busting medicine uh, to reverse the strokes, you know, the heart attacks. There's some, you know, time is muscle and time is, you know, tissue and things like that. So, where we want to get you to the appropriate facility that can handle your type of emergency. Also, and, you know, they talk about the golden hour. So we try, you know, we try to get people to the appropriate destinations. And it's a lot of, there is stress involved, but there's a lot of thought process into a patient assessment to know how bad is this patient right now, you know, based on their vital signs and their level of consciousness and where they, they ask enough questions to kind of, get a working diagnosis. We don't diagnose in the field, but we get a differential to where we think this is what is going on. And because of these signs and symptoms that this person's obviously showing signs of a stroke and their loved one or a friend, and they say they were talking to me, we were eating, and then 10 minutes ago, they started slurring their speech and they can't move one side. Obviously, we could assess that that is likely a stroke and that of a times of nature, you know, we could consider flying somebody out. Um, Typically, um, we might fly somebody once a month inside the gates. I don't have that correct data, but uh, it is not often.
3: And I'll piggyback off of that. There's a misnomer that flying a patient from Hot Springs Village is faster than going by ground. If we've pre-launched the helicopter because we know without a doubt that that person's probably going to have to be flown, then that helicopter's there. But if we haven't, and our paramedic ground crew has arrived on scene, it's about a 25 to 30 minute transport to the hospital. Um, So if you think about, now we think we're going to need to launch the helicopter after they've done their assessment, well, we could already have you in the ambulance and start going. Now we're going to have to call, the pilot's going to have to check for weather, they're going to have to call back, the crew's going to have to go get loaded, they're going to have to spend several minutes doing their spin-up, they're going to take off and they're going to get there. Then we're going to have to load the patient and fly. And so sometimes when you think about all of that time there, again, depending on that's what Matt and his crew have to decide on scene fairly quickly. Is it better for the patients to just go ahead and take them by ground because I can treat, I can do these things? Or does this patient maybe really need to go to Little Rock? Well, in that case, that helicopter is going to get them there faster. And then from a traumatic side of stuff, the other thing to think about is, we don't necessarily make the decision on where a trauma patient goes. We call that into what's called Arkansas trauma calm. And they tell us this is the hospital you're taking the patient to. And sometimes that plays into the nature of, of our decisions and triage as well.
1: So how often, what's the response time? How, how quickly do you try to be at the location?
3: Our goal is eight minutes and 59 seconds within 90% of our calls for priority one emergencies.
2: Wow. wow. Priority one life-threatening, your strokes, your cardiac arrest, your heart attacks, you know, altered level of consciousness. You know, there's a whole lot of different key factors and that's through our dispatch based off what you give us. They have to ask questions to find out detail specific details of what's going on. And that cat, their system categorizes it into a priority one or two or three. Um, And so for, where the truck is at and where they get towed, they have an eight minutes and 59 second response time to get in route and check on scene. And our compliance is to be 90% for the month for those calls. That hey, Matt, includes a, might...
1: the, that right, includes right. an ice storm, right? Even in an ice storm, right?
3: Ice storm. <laughs> even,
2: there are some exceptions, but even in an ice storm, we still try to do what we can.
3: But you know, Matt, you might tell them where the three locations are when we're at post, and where those are at, kind of in the village.
2: So here's here's something kind of neat that we do. We have one station on the west end at Calella, which is right there on Los Lagos, across from the radio station, which is where my office is at. That my office is always an open door, so you're always more than welcome to have coffee and come by and talk. But we keep uh, Medic 17, which is our Kalela truck. There, we also have. Medic 18, which is at our Cortez station and they share the house with the fire department at Cortez at 110 Cortez, I believe. Um, We also have a Balboa's truck, which is coordinating with the fire department there across from Balboa Baptist. And all three of those trucks are housed when they're not on calls. If they are both out we always post the single truck in the middle of the village. So if two of the trucks go out, of the outline areas or vice versa, or whichever rotation, the single truck will go post until another truck comes back inside the gates and then they can go back to their post.
3: We call it system status management. So basically we're moving ambulances around the best that we can to serve all of the residents um, based off of what's going on. I mean, in the perfect world, all three ambulances would be available all the time, but you know, inevitably all three ambulances get a call at the same time or Uh two of them get a call at the same time. And so we want to be as centrally located as possible to service everybody.
0: What percent of of the calls that you get are lift and assist or calls that you, that in y'all's judgment could have, could have been better satisfied with a lesser resource than you guys?
3: I think the the better way to word that is probably, I think you said earlier, about 50% of our calls are of the public assist nature. Okay. So um, it may not necessarily be that there's a, a better resource. I mean, if you don't have a neighbor, you don't have a friend, but sometimes I think we're just, people have just gotten so dependent on, we'll call 911 for this and they haven't thought outside of, I mean, you know, when, yeah. when I was it's not a, uncommon for us to all know all of our neighbors. So you would pick up the phone and, you know, call your neighbor if you needed something. And, and now a lot of that is, I think-
0: Well, I worded it that way on purpose because part of what we, we would hope to do is help you guys get the word out. And I realize that you're gonna do this educational initiative later in the year, but I did that to tee up this. So what can we do if we, we realize that we've got we've got neighbors, maybe we know or we don't know of their health issues, but I'm thinking particularly even of the kids, I say kids, the children, adult children in the village who mom and dad live down the street. Um, uh, I mean, it's a pretty safe bet, you know, by the time, by the time we, we reach our eighties, we're definitely at much higher risk than if we're in our fifties or sixties, uh, we Dennis and I know a number of people who we talked, we had Beverages with a listener just uh, a month or so ago, you know, and he talked about a 94 year old widow who lived in their cul-de-sac and you know, they all kind of chip in and help her. I mean, they, they roll her trash out to the street and they roll the trash back after it's been picked up and that sort of thing. So what are some things that villagers could do, you know, to help (laughs) their neighbors or help their family. That wouldn't tie you guys up and cause a problem for somebody that might be in much more desperate need of your service.
3: I think it's exactly what you just said. Get to know your neighbors, you know, and let them know, hey, these are typically the times when I'm home. If you need something, if, if, if you fall, if you whatever, call me first. You know, I, th- I think that's that would be a huge, huge help. Um, and then I think it's just really understanding, again, that appropriate use of the resources and really thinking through if if I'm calling that ambulance, and I could have gone by car, or somebody else maybe could have taken me, or did I really need to go to the emergency room? Could I have gone to a clinic in the village that somebody could have taken me to? Now, on the flip side, we don't want to deter people from calling because now they're going, I don't really know. If you think it's an emergency, call us. We wanna come and help. Um, One of the things that we really saw during COVID was people would call us because they were just scared. They were, like he was saying earlier, I'm scared to go to the hospital and I don't know what else to do. So maybe the paramedic can come and talk to me or maybe I'm a diabetic and I think my, my blood sugar's gotten too high and I don't really, have, that, that could be a very serious thing. So maybe it's not the best example, but they just have us come out and do welfare checks. Well, there are other places within the village that can actually do those welfare checks. If, if you really truly have no intention of going to the emergency room, that's our job. Our job is to take care of you in an emergency and take you to the emergency room. And so I think part of it, you know, what can you do to help? If you're listening to it, help us provide that education in the community. And then the other side is be a resource for your friend and neighbor. We're not trying to get out of work, but we want to make sure that our resources are available when people actually need them.
0: Yeah. And 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 Chief Middleton on the show a few times and chief Middleton, you know, urges villagers and he has even on our podcast twice, you know, to call them. Call them. I mean, if you need help. You know, so I mean, I don't know, Dennis. I mean, that's that. She was answering that. That was my first thought: is man, pick up the phone and call, call the the police department inside the village. I mean, they when, they are at your service.
3: Yeah, when you call nine one one, it's going to go to the police department first. If, as long as you tell people you're that's that's one of the the best things that you can do. If you live in Hot Springs Village and you call nine one one, that's the first thing you should say. I live in Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, and this is the nature of my emergency. That way it can be transferred back to Chief Middleton's team, their dispatch team, and they're called the public safety answering point, and they're going to figure out what's going on. Now, if you say you need a lift assist, that's considered a medical emergency. It's going to be sent to LifeNet, um, and that's not necessarily the police department's job. We're not going to try to pass that on to them. I think, you know, if I'm going to encourage you to utilize other resources, my encouragement is going to be, you know, if you have friends and neighbors, if you don't have anybody else, call us. We are, you know, there to help and we want to help people just recognize that if there is somebody else that can help you, we would rather keep those resources available for the emergencies.
1: Well, to our listeners and viewers, I want to make a comment. And that is we, the, the dynamics are, are not lost on anybody here. And we're talking about the, the greatest generation as a rule, Randy, we're, we're, that, that is, the, is the 80 and 90 plus. Uh, they don't ask people for help. They don't ask. So neighbors, if you're listening, go and offer your help, go and say, Hey, I'm across the street. How you want me to help you with that trash? Or, you know, if you have anything, give me a call. I'll be happy to come see if, if here to the person, to the person. I do not know a person in the village when asked for help that would not readily help you immediately. But the oldest generation, the greatest generation is not going to ask that that's you know, not their or their way.
3: I'm going to piggyback off of that. I was listening to a different podcast on my way here. I know you're surprised. You're not the only podcast you listen to, but I was listening to another podcast on the way here today. And they were talking about a study that they had done on people being lonely. And I know this may sound surprising, but it is not uncommon for us to get a phone call just because somebody is lonely. And it may be by the time we get there, we may be the only person they have seen in a week and a half or two weeks. And so when you say, anyway, they talk about, there are actually companies out there. I thought, man, this is genius. They, they, are, they are finding ways to get people to pay them, and they're hiring college students to go out and basically be friends, and they have seen the overall health of, of these people go up. Well, we want to be as friendly as we can, but again, we need to be available for the emergencies, and so when you what you said that, made me flash back to that of people, not only are they not going to ask for help, but when they're lonely, they're not going to go across the street and say, Hey, I'm lonely. And so neighbors helping neighbors really becomes that, you know, be that bridge and get to know the person. There are so many, Matt and I both, one of my favorite things about my job is just getting to go around and talk to people and hear their stories. And I mean, like he said, I get to travel over three States service areas, talk to people. And my favorite stories always come a lot of them from people in the, in hot Springs village, because they're, it is such a melting pot of people from everywhere with such, unique backgrounds and so anyway if nothing else it's an opportunity to to help that way too
1: yeah I was going to make note the meals on wheels program is very strong and does a great thing here but I mean think about it so if we didn't have a meals on wheels program people would starve hardly it's just a great way to keep checks on people and say hi and have that human interaction and you know to connect with people and i again on another podcast i heard they were talking about how the average size of the average american home is shrinking that it's you know more and more people are living by themselves a lot of times and that presents its own series of problems now and ricky we've talked about this and i'm remiss because we haven't done it we'll we'll touch on the e, the smart 911 system uh, Matt, would you comment about that because I think that's an excellent program and we really need to have Ricky back on to talk about that. But tell people what the Smart 911 program is.
2: Sure. Um, so Smart 911 is basically the vial of life um, that you are educated about. The, you can put the sign on your door, and you can put the vial of your medication and your medical history and your demographics, your information, and holding that in the freezer. Basically, that turns this information into your smartphone. So, downloading Smart 911. If you call for an ambulance or fire or police in the dispatch center, it pulls up a screen and it shows your name and your information, your medical history, your medications you're taking, you know, so we and also your address so we can pinpoint your location. So in the village, you know, so easy to find streets out here, whether it's a way or a lane or a a trail, uh, uh, the spider web, the entanglement of the village, it's very precise knowing where you're at because some people might get lane or way crisscrossed and you may be in two different zones of the village just by the same street. Um, so Smart 911 will actually ping on the map where they the dispatchers can tell our ambulances exactly where to turn to get exactly to your residence. You can also detail the outside of your house, the colors of the vehicles, the you know, your neighbor's house, the dogs, um, you can put all those uh, demographics in there to where you can provide enough details, even hide keys or lock boxes. Uh, those are very pertinent too because some people that live alone uh, and say they fail and you hit a pendant alarm and we don't know what's going on, that information is very vital to us making entry and coming and helping somebody in their time of need. So Smart 911 is very, very awesome because we are now becoming so technology dependent. All you have to do is just update it and open your app up every six months to keep it active and if you're worried about private information being released that stays on the screen and dispatch for only a certain amount of time i think uh, i was told maybe 40 45 minutes at best uh, because what if your phone dies and you have to call back again it still keeps that information but then once that time limit's reached then it goes away it's not stored, it goes away. So there's no patient, uh, advocacy issues. So if that's one thing people are concerned about, so this is an awesome app that everybody needs to do because it's free. And yes, yeah. and it's for, it's for everybody.
1: And what's the bypass going to do for us? Hopefully that's going to be open in the, hopefully the next 60 days, I would hope.
2: Some of the talk sides uh, roughly six, five, six miles across. Um, and they have said that it could possibly save up to uh, 10 to 15 minutes by us, uh, diverting away from downtown and Park Avenue and all that congestion. We sh- typically should be able to save transport times and turnaround times back to the village.
1: Yeah. And and just a kind of a five mile high view here real quick for the listeners outside the village and inside Uh, the bottom line is, is that, you know, excuse me, if you're staying downtown, if you're at the waters or any of the places downtown, those are beautiful, great hotels and it's nice and wonderful, but every support vehicle has to come down that highway unless they're going to go through Gulf of Gorge. That that's the way you get into town. That's it. So the new bypass will take us down highway seven. We'll come through the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh roundabout, which I think you're going to be working lots of accidents there soon. That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> and then as soon as the, uh, the, uh, freeway, the bypass opens there, it'll basically takes you right back down to the hospitals. You're at the national park or you're at, at uh, CHI in a whole lot quicker traffic uh, system and and you're not going through downtown light sirens etc etc hopefully that's going to take a lot of stress off the downtown route
2: absolutely and it's going to take a lot of pressure off the village trucks since we are already housed this part out in the county that's going to be a major vessel for us getting to and from uh, hot springs and transporting our patients
0: what are some major things that you want our audience to know that we haven't covered.
3: So I will throw out there if you're thinking about a second career or maybe you have a a grandson, a granddaughter, a younger generation that you're raising. I mean, there's all ages in the village. Um, there is a national shortage of EMTs and paramedics Um, here within the state of Arkansas, the Arkansas ambulance association released this fall. They did a study. And of all of the licensed EMTs and paramedics in the state of Arkansas, only 42% of them are practicing right now. Um, A lot of people are surprised to learn that EMT school is literally one semester here at National Park College in um, Hot Springs. You go two, two days a week, so you can still work another job while you're going to school. Um, and then you can be an EMT. Once you become an EMT, if you want to go on to be a paramedic, it's another year. LifeNet will pay for all of your paramedic school. We don't pay for EMT school because we're just you, you have to take that first you know initial step. It costs about fifteen hundred dollars total. But whether it's part time or a full time job that you're looking for, we hire for both. Um, And again, it's if you want to find a way to serve your community, that's a great way. And I always like to give plugs um, for the other agencies, too. If you're just looking for somewhere to volunteer, we have to have you trained to work for us. But um, the the Hot Springs Village Fire Department, they also take part time volunteers um, and they'll put you through training. Um, The chief would have to obviously talk to you more about what their training looks like. But anywhere within the county, all of the volunteer fire departments are also needing help and they assist us too, but I I would definitely want to put it out there to your listeners. I mean, we have, I have a, but my oldest EMT that I've ever interviewed and hired was 68 years old. Um, he just, once he retired, he wanted to serve the community. So he went to EMT school and, and he was solid. He did it for us for about two years and then, you know, um, decided he really wanted to go back to retired life, but it's, it's not uncommon for it to be a second career for people. So if people are interested, they can reach out to me and I would love to help, help talk them through that process.
1: What are the attributes that would be would make a great AMT or a great paramedic? What what are, what are you looking for?
3: Uh, I think you have to have a heart for serving others. Uh, you have to be humble because you see a whole lot of different things, and it, it's literally a career all about serving other people. Um, you have to have drive. I think you have to you have to teamwork is another big thing. Wow. You work in a team. Um, I think you have to be people smart. So you have to. Really understand that we're dealing with people on their worst day, and sometimes we also work in partners. And sometimes, you know, I, I come to work some days and I am the happiest person on earth, and other days I rolled out a bit and Grumpy Bear showed up, you know. And and so, uh, but you have to always show up as as the happy person at work because you're seeing people on the worst days of their life, and you interact with every single personality. Um, and I, I often tell people if you can answer this question. and I don't want the answer, but internally think it, am I the type of person that can leave work at work or am I the type of person that takes what happened at work home with me and I just can't let go? If you're the type of person that can leave work at work, you're gonna be great at this position. If you're the type of person, because again, we see a lot of different stuff and we go home every single day and our paramedics, and even our dispatchers can say, I know I made positive differences in the lives of every single person I saw. And that's the rewarding part of what we do, but there's that tough part too. And so I'll actually, you know, that's a conversation I have because I do career coaching for our, for people that are looking at EMT or paramedic. That's one of the conversations we have in depth. And some people all talk out of the career and other people, I'm like, you are the perfect fit for this. So I think, I don't know. Say anything, you'd add.
2: I think you did, did it well. Um, Mine is, you you know, having a great personality and serving others because you're in it for the wrong reasons (laughs) because people are trusting you. And that's what I love about the village. You know, they're super respectful because a lot of them are retired professionals and they understand that we're professionals as well. And so they enjoy the report and the personalities. I mean, most of them know most of our EMTs and medics by first name basis. Um you know, you can't go anywhere without one of them, you know, like, hey, you know, Matt, how's it going? You know, they they just know them because they're of their personality and their nature and they know that they're out there making sure they're safe.
0: Tina, is it may be premature, but as you move forward toward the latter part of twenty twenty two and your educational initiatives, can you give can you give us some teasers as to what that might look like and, and how you how you're approaching that?
3: Yeah, so one of the things we, we actually, we've been brainstorming on it. It's, it's fairly new. We just, we started the overall brainstorming, trying to put stuff into place today. Um, we're looking at doing Stop the Bleed training. Um, we talked with the police department about even partnering with them and some of their initiatives because you guys know that they do a lot of community training um, to do some, reach some of their people, but Stop the Bleed training um, is the first training we're looking at doing. Um, And then the second one later this fall, our goal is to do, um, again, how to prevent falls. What can you do within your home? What are things you can think about those? Because prevention is half the battle, you know, if we can prevent it from happening in the first place. Um, And then outside of that, we do bystander CPR classes. So the fire department actually will do a full class. The difference between bystander CPR and a full class is that bystander CPR class is only about an hour. A full CPR class is somewhere between four to six hours, depending on who's teaching it and, and what program you're going through. Um, the by CPR, we just, we'll come out, the class itself is 20 minutes. We teach you how to do chest compressions on an adult and we teach you how to use an AED. Um, that's probably the, the initiative I'm the most passionate about, mainly because if somebody goes into sudden cardiac arrest in the village, we told you guys earlier, our response time is eight minutes and 59 seconds. If you haven't started chest compressions within those first three, five minutes max, when those paramedics get on scene, it's already too late. We're not gonna get them back. That's just what data from the American Heart Association shows. And so we tell people, if you're part of a group or if you wanna get a group together, all we require is 10 people and one of our team, whether it's Matt, whether it's me, one of our other paramedics, Ryan, who does a lot of community outreach here, he'll come out and teach that class. But as far as what we're looking at from two, those are two, the, the stop the bleed community-wide, and then that, that how to prevent falls in the community are the two big classes we're looking at doing just kind of like a community wide event to have people come out to,
0: is there any tracking of, um, and I don't know if I'm using the proper language, so pardon me, certified CPR people that have gone through that longer training, who've got some type of certification of, of yeah, so doing CPR. Is there any kind of tracking of, our- of those people?
3: There's not. There are organizations out there that have apps available, but they are like thousands of dollars per community to purchase in. And if we if if we were part of a community that purchased that, um, that's available. But right now, there's not those those apps. Actually, like I'm certified in CPR, and so if I had had that app set up and was tied into the 911 system, it would send out a, a ping and I'd be like, oh, I'm nearby and can do it. But again, right now, the, the technology, the people are a little too proud of it. And so implementing it in communities without grants is, it's just not, it's not functional right now. Um, but again, knowing who your neighbors are, right? So if yeah. I, you know, if I know that my neighbor is CPR certified, or if I know that I can literally just donate one hour of my life to learning how to do chest compressions, and that's the key. In adults who go into sudden cardiac arrest, large, large, large percentage of the time, it's not respiratory related, unless it was a drug overdose, unless I drowned. Primary reason I go into sudden cardiac arrest is I just ate too many fried chicken, hamburgers, and all that fun stuff growing up, and I have a cardiac problem. Um, So I just need chest compressions for about 20 minutes. My body has enough oxygen. Now the opposite, we need to teach you some more skills, but that's why we teach that class. So um, yeah, if there's, you know, there's yeah, it'd people. Be great,
0: it'd be great to know if I, if there was somebody on my street that had had gone through the certification, you know, of CPR. Be nice to know, and you would think that somebody who's gone through that, they wouldn't mind. They wouldn't mind you having their number. I mean, they went through the training, and so they've clearly got the willingness to help. So I'll tell
3: you, the other side of things that people don't know that we do is um, often when our paramedics get on scene for a sudden cardiac arrest. They know that a bystander did CPR and they know down the road, we often know that the patient survived, but we don't know how to connect the two. So we do what's called a LifeNet Lifesaver Award. So let's say I went into sudden cardiac arrest and we were all in the same room. You did CPR on me until Matt arrived. Matt could nominate you for the Lifesaver Award or somebody else who witnessed it. And then we get to hopefully reunite you with the patient about six months later. We try to give them time to recover from that traumatic event. Um, That's one of my very favorite things to do. But a lot of the times it's one of my favorite things to do because you get to hear those stories of I was in the right place at the right time, you know, but again, it's because somebody took the time to learn and not just learn the skill. I tell people CPR is like riding a bicycle. If you don't practice it, you don't remember it. You know, it's one of my favorite stories is repeatedly. I will see people who they haven't done it and they go to do CPR on the belly button. And I tell people, when you say the Pledge of Allegiance, where's the heart, you know, but it's because for us, it's, you know, if you've gone through CPR training, you know, naturally, my hand just goes here. And this is how fast I push. And this is how my, because it's muscle memory. And I tell people, anytime you see a mannequin that somebody's doing CPR on, you start practicing.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I actually, I, you know, I think this is a little differently because I'm I'm thinking, you know, Randy, we're, we're wanting Randy to move to the village and be an insider, you know, and the idea that I would know how to work those paddles in case he needed to be shocked back that that's appealing right there. Cause I, you know, you know, how did you bring him back? Well, I wasn't going to give him CPR, but I shocked him real good. And he came right back and yeah, came up swinging anyway. That's why I'm uh, not going to live in your neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be in a much safer neighborhood than Dennis's. I got uh, an app. Hang on. I got a ping. I got to run over and hit Randy.
0: Yeah. But that, that <laughs> technology thing that you spoke of, I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame that that's out of, that's out of the price range. I mean, something like that, come on, that's, that should be a national thing where yeah, the government you, you provides need to be it. a, I mean, a little more altruistic than that, but that's a, it's great. I was curious, but I had no idea that that technology was even out there, which is, which is why I asked, but well, cause you know, in a, in a place like the village, Given the background of so many people, like, you know, like Matt said, how diverse the community is, mm. I'd be curious how many certified CPR folks there are inside the village. I, I would, I bet it's a decent number. I, bet it is. I could I be bet wrong, it
1: is. but I bet it's a decent number. Yeah. We need to mm-hmm. marshal these people together. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like I said, I'm with you, Randy. I had no idea there was even an app like that. And I would think especially, well, okay. The stats that I've heard, the stats that I've heard where's the safest place to have a heart attack in north america you have any idea I don't casino know. casinos every one of them they they have right beside the fire extinguisher they've got the paddles right. you know? now does that mean they're gonna does that mean they're gonna use them correctly or that you know no whatever who knows but i, I find it interesting that in places where you know that there's, I mean, there's not a whole bunch Are of 20 year olds. You
0: trying to convince yourself of that because of your uh, love uh, for casinos or. or
1: <laughs> I'm so safe. I'm so sure. I'm, I'm not, so not s- sure, I'm not would, sure would, about that.
3: <laughs> going to send a cardiac arrest in one of LifeNet's posts where there's an ambulance. <laughs> That's where I would feel this.
2: Yeah,
3: ambulance. i think so. and they have the cardiac medicine that they need to be giving me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I would like to be visiting somebody in a cardiac unit of a hospital, and yeah. and then have it happen to me. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, Randy, I know this is a different time, and we have some other things to talk about here a little while later on. But do do we have enough lightning round for for Matt and, and Tina?
0: Oh uh, We can't. I mean, we can. It's 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 up it's up it's up to them. I, you know, I I wasn't going to try to. Burden them with it. This is the fun part of the show, guys.
1: Well, before we go there, real quick, I want Matt to talk or or Tina to talk. As I understand it, your contract is coming up for renewal this year. Is that what I understand?
3: Yes, at the end of December.
1: Okay, so have we had a contract renewal lately, or or how have we been doing that?
3: That's a great question that I don't think either one of us are well versed in because we haven't he's three weeks into his position i've been with us for four years Um, you know if people want to know how can you support that if you've been happy with the service that you have provided let the poa know that you know we we are we love being part of hot springs village Uh, we love what we do Um, we're dedicated to being part of that community hope hope that you know we're there for years to come we have no intentions of not being beat not not being
1: Well, this is one of those services, and I wanted to just make my own interjection here. This is one of those services that I'm not always fond of having the lowest cost provider, if you know what I mean. Uh, I know you guys have been here for decades decades, and have done a fantastic job. And when we heard that there was going to be a contract negotiation or whatever this year, I'm like, well, why would we do that when it ain't broken? And okay, yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that point up. And, and Tina, you make an excellent point. If you are, if you're pleased with the POA service, or with the POA, so with the LifeNet service, please let the POA know, please. Uh, that That's going to be a big factor, I believe. And I think the board and the staff needs to know that they're doing a great job i mean eight minutes and 59 seconds outside inside of 510 miles of roads inside the village good luck with that yeah and there's not a straight road in the village i don't believe at all not not more than a quarter mile you know
0: and how long has how long have you guys been servicing the village
2: since 2009 i believe okay Um,
1: that sounds about right i
2: think that's i think that's the year you know the good thing about is may, what people may not understand is that we have some of the most tenured staff working inside the gates. Um, we've got some medics that have been here since LifeNet started in the village and want to retire there. So that is lots of knowledge within these paramedics and EMTs and they love, they love being in the village. They have built their lives and families around the village some have even moved inside the gates so we have really planted a lot of seeds and roots throughout these years and hope that we continue that building fostering those relationships
1: yeah me yeah. too me too yeah very much very much randy why don't we try some lightning run questions
0: all right we're gonna we're gonna alternate okay so we're gonna start with you tina so these are just these are these are quick and easy and painless hamburger <laughs> tacos or pizza cheese pizza Hiking, hunting, or fishing, Matt?
3: Hiking, hunting, or fishing. It's definitely
2: not hiking, obviously, by looking at me, but um, I'll take hunting.
0: (laughs) Beaches or woods, Tina?
3: No beaches.
0: Texting or talking, Matt? Talking. Favorite day of the week?
3: It was Saturday.
0: Favorite city in the U.S. besides the one you live in, Matt?
2: Vegas. Vegas
1: yeah well don't have a heart attack there even though tina (laughs) tina now knows more about
0: matt than she did five minutes ago (laughs) all right do you have a nickname tina uh uh,
3: tinkerbell
1: tinkerbell okay i can't imagine matt having a name like that matt you don't have a do you have a nickname matt Look at him. He doesn't want to share. That, that you want to share?
0: That you want to share? No, Even probably if you,
2: not for podcast related.
0: If you don't have one that you want, if you have one that you don't want to share, then we definitely want you to share it.
3: Yeah.
2: I yeah, to yeah. so, tell you, something, uh, there's uh, one of my dispatchers calls me Scroggyloggins. Uh, don't ask Scroga me. Logan. She calls me Scroggyloggins. One of my dispatchers. Uh, it, it sticks. My wife is a teacher in Jesseville, teaches Algebra 1 and 2. And her kids call her Scrog dog. <laughs> yeah.
0: That sounds I've been like,
2: called that before two years ago, but they, you know, they just base it around your last name and it's yeah. all for fun.
0: I like it. I like it. Okay. Tina, current favorite band or musician?
3: Oh, uh, Tasha Lay- Layton.
0: Who? Who?
3: Christian singer. I, She's no, in- I didn't What's, her like, What's her name?
0: What's her name again?
3: Tasha Layton. Look what you've done. That's my favorite song right
0: now. Well, I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. yeah. All right. I got to give you that, Matt. I got to give you that question. Favorite Who's musician my- or band?
2: Um, Garth Brooks or George Strait. All
0: right. Here for both of you. You got an hour to do nothing. What are you going to do?
3: Uh, uh, write.
2: I'd what love to play, play golf.
0: Play golf? Mm-hmm. All right, Tina, what are you going to write? Like what uh, kind of writing do you like to do?
3: I like, right now... So right now I'm really into, like, I'll find a scripture and then I go research the scripture and then I just write about something that's impacting my life. So that's kind of my hobby right now for about the last okay. six or seven months.
1: Great hobby. It is. I like that. I like so, that. So Matt, wh- where would you play golf?
2: I love playing in the village.
1: No, I mean, where in the village?
2: Um, My favorite is probably ponds.
1: I knew you were going to say, I, I was going to say, I bet he's thinking ponds Hard. How long have you played golf?
2: Uh, since, since they held him out there, I Probably almost 20 years.
0: Oh, long time.
1: Look at
3: you. I like played golf in college.
1: Okay. Where? Yeah, my wife took a golf course in college, and uh, we moved out here to the village. And uh, I said, uh, do you want to you walk a, a golf course? You know, walk the, the, the holes? And she said, all 16? <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, that may no. not be the kind of golf that Matt played in college. So, did you <laughs> play on a collegiate team?
2: I played uh, – we had a community college in Malton, but we played uh, UCA in Conway, which is now a Division One team, uh, Arkansas Tech, uh, you, the, the University of Portsmouth, and then we played a lot of Oklahoma teams. So, there was – I mean, there was a lot of good competition. I mean, it was, uh, ju- you know, junior college level, basically – and then I had a chance to walk on, at uh, SAU and Magnolia, but then life kind of changed and, uh, got into the real world and started working for EMS.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, but it sounds like you're a legit golfer. Good for you. Says the guy on the show that doesn't play golf. All right. I used to, Go ahead. You used to what?
2: I said, I used to be, oh. but any golfer, the amount of time it takes to practice and play at a level that, at the caliber that any collegiate athlete plays at is, is insurmountable. I mean, it's a lot.
1: Yeah. Well, you, sure. you, you can't have a day job. You got to be an unemployed college student to do that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All
1: right. Tina, favorite holiday
3: Christmas, Matt, uh, same.
0: Okay. First jobs, Tina
3: first job. I was a file clerk at a doctor's office back before step was electronic
2: i'm um, a uh, general utility guy uh, for as a college student at a paper mill
0: either one of you play a musical instrument
3: i used to play the flute but i picked it back up about a year ago and i learned i can't read music anymore <laughs>
0: <laughs> so now I you don't play,
3: i can't read a sheet of music
0: yeah matt
2: do i mean you play I used anything play, i could play chopsticks on the piano but i don't know <laughs> if that constitutes yeah. Hey, we've had people say
0: that they play the radio. So, yeah, there you
2: go. that's yeah, I play the radio.
0: <laughs> What's your favorite meal? Both of you, Tina. Oh, I
3: actually
2: know that one, eggplant parmesan. Okay, Matt. I want to be tacos.
1: Well, you just said you didn't like tacos. We had a no, guy that's like
2: tacos. Uh,
1: did no, you he, say that? No, he didn't say that. I'm sorry. We had a guy this morning who said he watches every one of the lightning rounds yeah. and nobody ever says tacos. Uh, and tacos. so he wanted to know where a good taco place would be. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Oh. I, 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 yeah, was well, I was sleeping. I was sleeping. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, first concert. I've only got a few more. First uh, concert Vince, that you, Vince, Vince Gill?
3: Still, I've stopped showing rodeo. Alabama. Oh, I'm jealous.
0: I'm telling you. Look at her. She heard Vince Gill and she's jealous over Alabama. <laughs> Who to have thunk it? I mean I mean so there's something there's something inherently wrong with that. Uh, <laughs> funniest movie. Matt, funniest movie.
2: National Lampoons Christmas Vacation.
1: Prepper's full. <laughs>
0: Man, yeah,
2: I don't
3: like because I'm an eight almost eight year old and my entire repertoire of movies recently. <laughs> like, Sing two or oh, Boss Baby
0: Two. I love Boss Baby Two, and there's some new friends. <laughs> go. Boss Baby Two. Yeah, that's a first. That's a first. Okay, favorite sports team, Tina. Oh, I don't
3: have a favorite sports team. I'm boring there. we Pixui. Right,
0: oh,
2: yeah. Anything Razorbacks, that Hard Razorbacks. All
0: right. Last one. Favorite quote, Tina.
3: You know, my favorite quote, um, it is literally just escaping me. I can think of it. Um, it is something to the effect of too often we quit right before the blessing that is on the other side of our endurance.
0: Well, even if you didn't get that right, that's good.
1: Yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll make that a new Tina yeah, quote. Exactly. I like that
2: you have one T- matt? tina
1: 316 yeah have you
0: got matt, one? Uh, matt?
2: my past fire chief back home would always tell us be safe and ever ready Ooh.
1: good advice good yeah advice. for y'all's line of work that's especially timely mm-hmm. dennis well i just want to wrap up and say uh, matt and tina thank y'all so much for joining us and and we, it seems like, I don't know that we're on a thread or anything here, but we're trying to show people that are behind the scenes a little and what they're really like. And, and these are obviously hardworking people who are dedicated, devoted to the village. And if you get a chance, pat them on the back, say, thanks, say hi, call the POA, tell you, tell them you like the job they're doing. And actually just, I think, I think a couple of prayers wouldn't hurt you folks either. Cause every time I heard the sirens going off, I'm thinking somebody's having a bad day.
0: Yeah, and they can even stop buying – buy Matt a
1: cup of coffee right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
3: didn't have to buy it, Matt. Yeah. Give it to
2: him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. You
2: can have coffee, sit down and coffee with me.
1: Yeah. Would do that. Would do that. i tell you what. I, you know, I really would, Land, Randy. We need to talk about this. Uh, the Westgate, the the Kalela uh, uh, and the uh, is – I'm sorry, Colella, the uh, – yeah, it's Colella, Yeah, uh-huh. Colella. Colella the Kalela, the cortez and the balboa i think you know we might need to throw some pictures in of what those places look like people need to know where the fire station is they need to know where the where the uh resource centers are like that and uh you know that could possibly come in kind of handy you, you do you guys y'all don't man anything you're not at the fire station down on uh, uh baleric uh, uh under
2: we aren't we, we do not house an ambulance at that station
1: but there is fire at that station. but there
2: is a fire fireman uh yes there are they have a fire station there yeah cornado
1: wow. Well, I want to take the chance again to say thanks again to Matt and Tina. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for LifeNet. Thanks for how you're always you've literally always got our back, even in a snowstorm. So <laughs> thanks so much. We'll see you next time for Hot Springs Village Inside Out.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by visiting our website, hsvinsideout.com and tell a friend.